This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor, and this is Then What? With another story of a big then what business moment which transformed into real success made possible by real leadership. They say you can't have your cake and eat it too. But thanks to Lauren Brill, founder of Sweet Lauren's, you can now have pre-made cookie dough and edible cookie dough crafted with clean, plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO ingredients and eat them too. Lauren's battle with cancer taught her four important concepts to live a full life without regret. Try new things, work out, experience the world, and treat yourself. Her altered diet while facing cancer turned into a driver for her own business, which went from creating prototypes in her kitchen to becoming a nationwide smash success. And less than eight years later, Sweet Lawrence is in more than 10,000 supermarkets and is the top-selling clean cookie dough. Coming up, Lauren shares the one thing she wishes she could have had earlier on in her business that would have been crucial to successfully building a company. How surviving a pandemic may rest on listening to yourself and what brings joy. And how Lauren is navigating her own big then what moment. Next level partnerships, new products, and finding causes and charities to support. Thanks to what she's been able to achieve. What I wanted to ask or start with is, like a lot of companies, your company, Sweet Lauren's, was born out of solving your own problem, right? There has to be a better way to get, do this or there has to be a better solution out there. After you solved that problem for yourself, what has pushed you to keep going and what has been driving your momentum? I think uh, once I solved my problem, I didn't necessarily think it was a business, but it was really that reaction of seeing my friends and family first with my recipes and product that made me go, I'm not the only one who wants this. Like everyone I meet actually has the same need. Why wouldn't I, you know, try to make this actually like a business and make something available to more people? So that was the first like impetus of like so many people I know and care about are starving for a better quality lifestyle and product. Um, Why don't I create a business to make it available to them? And then the next push was once I actually got it into supermarkets and started to understand how food is made and how products get on the shelf in supermarkets and how there are actually very few global makers of food companies that make most of the food that's on our shelf. And and that's why it's so hard to find really clean, high quality ingredients in a lot of mass products because those companies don't have the same values I do, right? And so- mm-hmm. Then I started to see like how monopolized the food industry is. And that just kind of disgusted me. I was like, that's why our food system is not what it could be and is not as clean as it is and as amazing and delicious and interesting because it's so hard to break into because there's Mm -hmm. so many huge companies that run most of it. And that angered me and lit that fire even more of like, if I don't do something, who is going to? And by the time I have kids and a family, the food system is going to look the same unless there are a lot of really passionate people with great products that figure out a way to break in. 
And so that was like the second push. And I'd say the third push that like continues to fuel me and our team is, you know, when we finally got national distribution in over 12,000 supermarkets and reaching millions of people and have such loyal fans, the amount of emails and messages we get are actually moving. Like we get daily so many messages and emails of people saying we've changed their life. What we're doing is really meaningful to them. Like we're making people believe in food again. My personal story, inspiring someone. Can you make more products? Like we love your product. Our family's obsessed. We eat it every week. You know, and that's the kind of thing that makes me feel like we're not just selling a product. We're actually really making a difference in the world. Our product adds value. And then I feel like we're just at the tip of the iceberg. I'm like, oh my God, what else could we create? How much bigger could we be? How much better could we make the food system? How many more great products and high quality things can we add to our food system? And that's what fuels me now and gets me really excited and our team. Yeah. No, and your story and even your like your product is very inspiring because you guys specifically source every ingredient, right? And like you quality check and everything for every ingredient put into your cookie, right? How did you not compromise on that when you started scaling your business up? Well, if anything, it's all volume game. So I had to make compromises at the beginning that now because our volume is big enough, we really have like a say. So for instance, when I first launched, I had to buy whatever chocolate chunks. We we use chocolate chunks in our product, very specific about the size of the chunk, the taste of it, how dark chocolate it is, all of that. When you're just getting going and not buying that much volume, you realize like there's only like a handful of kind of chocolate that's out on the market that you get to pick from that's within your price range and has, you know, the taste you want mm-hmm. and the size you want. And I was always frustrated with it. Like the chocolate we found had soy lecithin in it, which Mm -hmm. it's a very small emulsifier ingredient. It's in a ton of chocolate out there, but our product is very allergen friendly. So we have a lot of people that have soy allergies. And I just was like, why can't we find a great chocolate without that? That's mass produced because you can kind of find artisanal specialty chocolate that's made that way, but not what we're looking for, you know, in mass quantities. You know, and I was early to market too, I think. So like, you know, I came into the market looking for just clean ingredients, readily available at mm-hmm. a good price point so we could get our product on the shelf at a good price point. And it was just real a real challenge. But I think as our volume has increased and the market has realized this isn't like a niche company anymore. This is mainstream. Millions of people want something like this. We now are had a volume enough that like I specifically get a chocolate chunk made for me. That's amazing. You know, so it doesn't have any soy in it anymore. It's literally, you know, three ingredients. It's so delicious. So again, that's not something you can do easily when you're just beginning. And so the bigger we've gotten, actually, we just keep using that volume to source even higher quality, better quality ingredients. How did you even know where to start from this? Like, I would just think even now, if I was like, hey, I want to solve this problem of making a healthier version of anything, right? Of any product. It's difficult to find like, what do I do? Where do I go? Like, do I go to my kitchen and just start putting things together? Or how do I even do this? So how did you kind of get started? So I started my company because of a personal, you know, kind of story and need. So after I graduated Mm -hmm. college, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had diagnosed with a type of cancer and had to go through treatment and live at home for a year. 
and thankfully was cured. But during that year, you know, I wasn't working. I was really just focused on my recovery, but I did have some, you know, free time in between treatments. And so during that time, intuitively, not even thinking about Sweet Lawrence and starting a business, but intuitively, I just was like, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I get myself healthier. And my doctors only focus on the medicine, but I'm going to focus on everything else holistically, like meditation and mind body, you know, working out and eating like the highest quality food. So like, I believe food is our energy. You know, if we eat really cheap, bad food, we're not going to have the highest quality energy. I, I personally just am very affected by the food I eat. It, if I eat junk food, I don't feel great. I don't, I don't, I'm not positive thinking. I don't have a lot of energy. So I just got really conscious about my body and what felt good to eat. And what felt good to eat was really fresh, whole foods. And so I started taking cooking classes because I was like, the only reason we don't eat healthy is because it doesn't normally taste great. If I can make healthier food taste great, it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. Like we're all going to be doing it. So I just did it personally because I'm very interested in believe food is healing and food is medicine. So learned how to make a lot of delicious food, took cooking classes, and then started studying nutrition too. You know, And that's where kind of my frustration came because I just felt like every recipe we were learning in our cooking class for dessert or every bakery I went to or every packaged food I found in the supermarket you know, to satisfy my sweet tooth was just so gross. Like it was made of such junk or artificial ingredients or it just didn't even taste that good. And I was like, I'm, I gotta, you know, I gotta make my own. So that's where like the idea came of like, okay, I mean, I think the, the biggest lesson, I would never wish cancer upon anyone, but what I am grateful for, the biggest lesson it did teach me was just, you know, things happen in life that you can't predict. And it's really what you do with those things that becomes your destiny. And so I could have gotten diagnosed and just given up on life or become an alcoholic or whatever, you know, became really depressed. And instead, like I was depressed for a couple of months and then I realized how terrible that felt. And I just said, I'm going to do everything within my power to turn this around. And so that taught me a huge life lesson. Like if there are things that happen in your life that you don't like, are you just going to sit back and let them happen? Or are you going to say, I'm going to do everything in my power to turn this around and, and kind of have fun in the process of that. So, you know, I saw the problem, like I have a huge sweet tooth, you know, I am super healthy, but I have a huge sweet tooth. What is out there for me? Either I sit back and complain about it, or I say, how do I like use everything I'm learning, you know, nutrition, cooking classes, my own, you know, just kind of playing around the kitchen mm -hmm. and try and change this. And so just trust me when I say the first recipes were terrible, <laughs> you know, I've gone through hundreds and hundreds of batches, but I kind of had fun with it. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn about all these interesting natural flowers and oils and and sugars and ingredients that like no one really is talking about in mainstream. And, you know, instead of giving up after, you know, the first terrible 10 batches, I just mm -hmm. kind of kept dedicated to improving, learning, making it better, applying what I was learning to the next batch. And, you know, and then I have a really picky younger sister and she li was living at home with us and she tasted them and was like, this is the best cookie I've ever had. And that's Aww. when I was like, okay, like, there really is something here. You can really make better quality products with more natural ingredients. 
you know, so it went from just like really every day kind of playing around in the kitchen, learning new things, not getting frustrated as much as possible, you know, and really becoming like an expert in these ingredients, you know, and then once I kind of had these recipes and over the next couple of years, like it kind of grew from a hobby to like friends really asking, you know, can you sell this? Can I just buy this from you? Can I just buy the cookie dough? Because A, I like to eat it raw or B, it's great to have on hand and I can make warm and fresh cookies, you know? And that's just like, it, it kind of morphed into this idea of, wow, everyone I meet wants healthier, delicious cookie dough. It's like what everyone gets yeah. excited about. And then I met with Whole Foods and they were my first customer. And once they placed an order, that's when I jumped into understanding how to like outsource this and actually have it be made at a factory. And again, I didn't grow up in the food industry. I didn't have any friends in the food industry. I just learned by jumping in and really trying to have fun with the process and being, you know, just real focused on figuring it out. I just wasn't going to quit. So that's been yeah. like our process this whole, this whole time. No, that's super inspirational and congratulations for defeating cancer. Yeah. So like not giving up, right? Like that is something I think every single person I will say can relate in some form or fashion, right? And whatever they're doing and especially when it's challenging and you've had to overcome cancer, you've turned a negative thing into kind of a positive light for you. In your journey, was there a moment that you were really close to giving up and like what stopped you and what pushed you through to keep going? Yeah. I mean, I almost had more steam at the very beginning because I had no idea how hard this would be. So mm -hmm. in my head, I was just like, all these things like kept happening. It felt like amazing. Yeah. Like, like, um, I entered a baking contest and I won. And then I entered oh. this other contest called the next big small brand for culinary genius. And I won that and the people's choice award. And then on my first meeting with whole foods, I got in and I just was on like a high, you know, of, this is really happening and um, it's exciting. And I, again, had no idea how complicated and hard it would be. So I didn't let any of those stresses kind of bring me down. What then really became a challenge was, you know, getting off the ground and then realizing, oh my God, like the product's not perfect. There was just so much tweaking that needed to be done at the beginning. And supermarkets meet with you once a year. So it's not like you can just get into every supermarket tomorrow or the next month. It's like you have to be patient and wait an entire year to get a meeting, to to get in. Hopefully you do get in. If you don't get in, you have to wait a whole nother year. And it just felt like this really long drag. And then I would hear about a lot of supermarkets charging slotting fees, you know, charging thousands of dollars in order to even get your space on shelf. And then you're not even guaranteed to sell anything. So like you could spend $30,000, $100,000, whatever the supermarket is charging, get on the shelf. And in in a year, if you don't sell enough, they could just take you off the shelf, right? And so, yeah. and I was a one woman show for a very long time because I didn't have enough revenue yet to like hire a team. I was learning even how to hire a team. I learned that I had to raise some money. I mean, all those things just kind of bombarded me and it was so much to learn at the beginning. It was like drinking from a fire hose, like how this industry even works, how to like do projections. So you even know if you have enough money to do these things, how to, to hire the right people so that you're building a team of experts in the industry, how to manage people, how to build culture. I mean, it is so much to learn at once. And so 
I jumped in kind of just trying to figure out how to how to do all of that. And there were definitely a couple moments. Like I remember this one time I just because when you're also when you haven't hired a team yet and you're really alone and you don't have partners, you can give up easily, you know, because you're just like any CEO feels alone anyway, because they're just yeah. the only it's it all falls on them. Falls on them. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's their dream. They've put so much into it. Like no one understands all the things that they have to go through. But there was a, one time I remember coming home and I, and I was just so exhausted and so upset. And I just was taking a bath, you know, and that was like the way for me to like recover. And I have a, my best friend and my sister, honestly, were like they're my two biggest cheerleaders. And when I felt really, really down, I'd call them because I knew they were going to tell me straight, you know, and I'd be like, should I just give up? Is this stupid? Like, am I just wasting like my entire life savings, even though it's not that much because I started the company at like 26 years old, but am I just up a hill that I'll never, it's just not even worth trying to climb, you know? Um, And I knew they would tell me like, Lauren, like, you, you know, you had a good go, like, forget about it, move on to something else. But instead, both like emphatically would always be like, you know, you have something special, you know, that people love the product, you know, that you're just at the beginning of a movement of like food changing, it's just a lot, you know, what can you do to like, kind of ease some things off your plate? You know, it it was that kind of encouragement from people I trusted that helped me kind of get back on the horse. And then again, you always feel better after a good night's sleep. So like the next morning, somehow the next morning, some sort of small miracle would happen, whether it was like a really positive email I got or something would get me out of bed in the morning that would just be like, wait a minute, there's momentum, you know, and I'd, I'd get back on it. So I think really surrounding yourself with very supportive people you can trust is like the most important thing. And then also, if I could go back in time, I would have said like, I waited too long to hire a great team. I just didn't know how to do that at the beginning. But if I had hired a great team at the very beginning, the stress wouldn't have been just on me. And we could have, I think, moved a lot faster, you know, through problem solving. Yeah. No, I 100% can relate to that too. I think most people can as CEOs, right? Where one part is creating something, developing something, but another part is making sure your vision and your brand doesn't get lost, right? And you can still keep going and hiring the right people and the right culture is like very, very important to keep the company going. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how were you able to find the right team members? Like, how did that process go for you? So I started the company as a one woman show with a couple interns. I just, you know, (laughs) honestly, like I I have crazy story after crazy story, but (laughs) I had a really great intern that worked with me and we, like, again, it's not like she was a food industry expert. She just was a warm body coming to the office every day with a positive attitude and happy to help learn or do anything that needed to get done. So that was really helpful. I did an internship program, even with this company in France. So I had a lot of French interns come, you know, because they wanted an American experience. And so, you know, we had French interns for like three years helping get the business off the ground. You know, they had a very thick French accent. French accent. And again, they, it was just helpful. And then I got I hired my two key employees that I hired over four years ago that helped game change the business. One who's now our VP of sales, you know, she had worked at Chobani yogurt mm-hmm. and she was one of the first people hired there. She saw what it was like growing a really fast paced company, better for you company from, you know, a small team to billion plus dollar business. And 
I met her actually at an event at Chobani. They had me speak at this women's leadership event because Hamdi, the CEO of Chobani, you know, has just been a really amazing kind of friend and mentor and just always been so supportive. And so met her and she, you know, we just became friends at this event. And I think my story of Sweet Lawrence really touched her. And so we just stayed in touch. And then she actually ended up leaving Chobani and working at some other companies. And she just wasn't happy. She didn't find her fit. And so I got us into Publix and then Kroger. And then once we got into those, you know, huge supermarkets, I offered her the position. And thankfully, she took it and helped us get from there to where we are now, unbelievably. And it was because of her past experience, knowing what it's like working with a very fast growing small business, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and all the challenges that brings up. And then at the same time, actually, my first intern introduced me to the woman who's now our COO and introduced me just to say, hey, you should meet this woman. She's been in the food industry a long time. And the majority of people in the food industry are not females. And so for me to get introduced to these really talented, amazing women, I was like, yes, I'll, I'll," you know, so we had lunch and we hit it off. And then she, you know, offered to kind of help a little bit. And so I was just grateful for anyone with help. You know, we were, we were finding factories, negotiating with factories, all of that's really requires experience. And she came on board. And then after like six months, she was like, I love this. And I was like, I love having you here. And, you know, she came on full time. So, so, you know, those were just networking. Honestly, when I first met them, I had no idea they would actually be part of our senior team eventually, you know? And then from then on, we've now, you know, we've got through networking and recruiters, you know, we found other people, and we have a culture that we really want to protect. I mean, we've always kept the team very lean. We're less than 10 people. And so it's real rock stars that work for the company. No, that's amazing. On your website, you kind of, you know, I saw this kind of saying that you say, where it's just living without regret, right? What does that mean to you? I just think that sometimes you need to go through a really scary experience to kind of wake you up in life and make you realize how precious it is. I think there's a lot of people that kind of sleepwalk through life a little bit because they just feel like they were dealt a certain hand or like, this is life or what can I do? Or I don't know, um, maybe don't appreciate every moment because you don't realize how it could be taken from you in two seconds. And when I was diagnosed, I was 22 years old. I mean, I just, it was the when you're 22 years old, you just feel invincible, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I going through that experience, just realized how precious life is and how much I wanted to live life and experience all the things in life and how health is number one. I mean, you could have all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health, you know, you don't have anything. And so I think getting sick just like showed me my personal priorities in life and how much I wanted to live and feel good while I was alive and all of my goals and and how amazing the human body is that you could heal from things and bounce back and be even better. And I mean, so I think for me, I just kind of looked ahead. I live life like every day to the, to the most now. And I just think the worst thing you could do is have regrets. So if there are things that you want to do in life, but you're just scared to go after them, do you want to be 80 and look back and be like, man, I wish I just tried to do that. Even if I failed, like, what if I didn't fail? Like, what if I actually like made that dream come true? You know, I just think that would be 
the worst feeling, you know? And I think because I've faced my biggest fears now, like starting a company, like looking at death in the face, like seeing these things and being like, wait a minute, like these are the hardest things and I've overcome them. Like everything else should be easy. And I'm just not going to let fear hold me back. And I'm, I'm going to really just always check in with myself so that like, I know what my goals are, what makes me happy and you know, what I want to do with my life and I'm going to honor them and I'm, I'm going to go after them. And I'm going to be okay if it's hard. I'm going to be okay if I fail because there just like is no failing. Like you're always going to learn from something and you're going to always be introduced to new people. And it's just been like such an amazing adventure and ride when I look back on my life that it's just because I went for things and had a positive attitude and like, and like stuck them out that got me to what I consider success in those areas, you know? And so I just want to pass that on to other people. Like I know what it's like to be scared. And I just would say, I can't tell you how good it feels to like face those fears and like go after your dreams and work hard because when you achieve them, like you get to live your dream life. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on social media at Ellen Accounting and visit us or contact me directly at ellenaccountingcpa.com and subscribe to Then What Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. Are you looking for financial advice or an outsourced CFO or maybe just help with your books or financials? Well, let's talk. As a listener of the podcast, I want to offer you a free consultation call with me. Go on our website at lnaccountingcpa.com and book a call with me today. Again, that's lnaccountingcpa.com. When you reach out, please make sure to mention this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. We live in fear so much as humans. Like we're scared of doing pretty much anything, right? And like pushing ourselves and being positive is something that I feel like even now with the whole situation that's going on with our, you know, the pandemic situation, it's it's hard at times. Like how long can you stay positive for is sometimes what it feels like. So how do you continue to stay positive? What do you do to do that? Yeah, I think, I think, listen, I think this pandemic, I don't care who you are, everyone is going through a hard time in this pandemic in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think my biggest advice is like, what I've done personally is just like, again, we're all different, different things affect us differently. And we're all in different situations. So personally, like, I just listen to myself. And I say, like, what are the things that make me happy that bring me joy that make me feel healthy and happy? Because those are the things that are just non-negotiable. Like I need to do them as much as possible to get me through this time. I'm also six months pregnant. So it's like, congratulations. thank you. You know, dealing with like a pregnancy in the middle of this time too, it's just like, you know, you feel like you have to be extra, extra safe and extra protective and health is just even more important to me. So personally, they're just things that are non-negotiable. Like I work out as much as I can. I really listen to my body to what feels good. We have like, you know, a group of friends that have kept us going this whole, you know, nine months plus of the pandemic, like that we feel are being really safe. And so we plan fun dinners with them and, you know, fun things to look forward to. I'm in California. So there's a lot of like things to do outdoors and nature and fun trips. And I just, you know, I'm doing the things that give me energy, give me life, make me happy that I feel safe doing during this time. 
And um, my business, you know, gives me a lot of joy. And obviously, we've worked so hard to get here. So I try to fill up my cup as much as possible. I also bake a ton just because I love trying new recipes and it, it's therapy. Baking is therapy to me. Like it yeah. always just oh. makes me happy. It makes other people happy. I love trying new things. I love learning new recipes. So like, you know, these are the things that I just do all the time because they fill up my cup so that I can give to my husband, give to my team, give to my baby to be, you know, and I think that's just the biggest lesson. Whatever fills up your own cup, you have to do. Otherwise, you know, you'll get depleted and it's a hard time and we're not getting out of this tomorrow, you know? (laughs) So. Yeah, for sure. And do you feel like your business was kind of something that was a hurdle in your personal life at any point? Oh, absolutely. I was terrible to date at the beginning of years of Sweet Lawrence (laughs) um, because it was always on my mind. Like I, even if I went out on a date, probably there's no way on that date that like Sweet Lawrence wouldn't come up. Cause like, it's all that occupied my brain, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm sure that was boring as hell to some guys. Cause they were like, don't you have any other interests or hobbies or like, Mm-mm. can you talk about anything else? But you know, there was so many decisions to make so many, so much movement happening that like, it was really hard to have the space in my brain and life to prioritize another human. So I dated a lot, but like I didn't actually have really solid long-term relationships during that time because the truth is I was dating my business. Like my business just became the number one priority. And I actually met my husband now right as the business became self-functioning and sustainable. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Like I think I finally got to the point where I was like, you know, what are my priorities? Like even having the most financially successful business is great and a great goal. But if I don't have a really amazing partner in life and family and like best friends, I'm just not fulfilled and not going to be happy. And so, you know, I think seeing that made me really be like, okay, like, of course I want my business to be really successful and succeed, but like, I have to make space in my life for, you know, other things that are going to make me feel whole. And then also, you know, thankfully the business getting big enough that we could hire a team and like, all of a sudden I didn't need to be in the day-to-day of the company anymore. So also when that happened, I was like, okay, like I don't, business is just part of my life, but like not all of it, you know, and I could go on a date and like talk about other things and like, and have the freedom to travel, you know, and like run my business virtually and all these things that just like weren't ever even possible in the early years of the company. So I would say, um, you know, it was definitely a detriment the first couple of years. And, and I, and I, you know, but I don't take that back. You know, I, I think it needed that kind of focus to get it off the ground. Yeah. I would say everything happens for a reason. So you know what? You met your husband now, so yeah. it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And going kind of back to distributors, right? Retailers and, you know, you getting yourself in there. I've seen this where, and, you know, everyone who's worked with retailers has seen this deductions, massive deductions. Sometimes it comes to a point where, the company or the business might not be making any money if you're not selling enough products, right, within their stores. And so how have you guys kind of combated that? And also now given the change of, I mean, we don't know where the consumer change is going to be. We, I don't, we don't know. For food and beverage, it might be people still go to stores, but people are shifting a lot more to buying online, especially during this pandemic. So how has that affected 
your business. Yeah. I mean, I feel very lucky that Sweet Lawrence has thrived during the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, it was very scary. I don't think anyone knew what to expect of any business or industry. So, you know, thank God consumer packaged goods are considered an essential business. Thank God we're protected that way, you know, without people going to restaurants the way that they were and eating at school and all the things that kind of, you know, used to used to be normal, you know, people really are relying on what's sold in a grocery store. I mean, all of us, including myself, mm-hmm. it's like we're relying on what we can find in a supermarket that's safe to eat. And I think the two things that Sweet Lauren's, what I'm really proud of to say during this time, I mean, one, our team has stayed super healthy. Like I'm talking like physically and mentally, you know, we've it's been a huge transition for everyone and we're all working turned to a remote company, working from home, and everyone on the team has done such a good job staying on top of the business, staying positive, handling this amazing growth we've had during this time. And so, you know, that's been awesome. Our factory has been awesome. Like they've been able to manage staying open and dealing with COVID and extra sanitizing everything. And we're really proud of that. But we internally have have leaned on a couple of things. I mean, one, like we've always been on Instacart, but we actually were like leaning on Instacart even more. I mean, more and more people, our product is, is refrigerated. So we're not the most e-commerce friendly. We do ship from our website nationwide, but most people buy our product in the grocery store on their weekly grocery runs. And so Instacart and other, you know, at-home delivery, grocery delivery services have been huge growth for us during this time because it's keeping people safe and at home and, you know, they can then get their milk and eggs and Sweet Lawrence delivered to their door. So we've leaned really into that. We've leaned really heavily into e-commerce as well. Our e-commerce sales have grown like over 300% during this time. So Amazing. people, which has been amazing, which is, you know, there's a lot of kids at home and families stuck at home and Sweet Lauren's like, you know, it makes people happy. It brings joy to your home. It's a fun project with kids. People also need to eat. And, you know, we're, (laughs) and I think because we're both like an indulgent tree and then also healthier, we fit into what people want right now, which is like delicious food and kind of comfort food, but also we all know how important it is to stay healthy. And so, you know, we kind of check off both those boxes. So, you know, we've just leaned into, what the world is looking like as much as possible. And mm-hmm. um, it's been hard to virtually do all of that, but our team has done a really good job. And again, the amount of emails we get from people that say like, we've gotten them through the pandemic or like, this is what excites their whole family. Or we make like a dad or mom feel like a superhero. Cause like they get to make fresh warm cookies in 10 minutes, you know, and they're toaster yeah. oven with our product and then they're all, all their kids are happy. And it's like these little things. Like I just know it's the little things that are getting us through this pandemic. So I think it makes our team feel proud that we're not just selling a product, you know, that it's, there's an emotion and joy that we can bring. Yeah, no, for sure. So my next question that I had is what did you consider the point where you moved to the next stage in business and then what happened? So I think now probably about a year ago, we moved to the next stage in business, which is we are the number one natural cookie dough brand in the US. I love you know, it. <laughs> thank you. We've, you know, really hit some unbelievable milestones. Like we've brought incremental business to the refrigerated cookie dough category. Like we've really 
we've changed the game and really become disruptive and have like a really great following. And we're in over 12,000 supermarkets. And so when the last like two years, we kind of hit this inflection point of we've kind of hit that next level. And now it's like, what's next, right? So it's not only maintaining that growth, but what are our new products are we going to enter into? And what does this next level of like a senior team look like that can handle our kind of growth and transition? And so those are the next challenges or opportunities, you know, however you look at it that we're dealing with now. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is good problems to have, right? So this is good. Have you guys thought about what you're what your next products are or expanding your line? Yeah, absolutely. We think about it all the time. What I can tell you is that we have some really exciting edible cookie dough that's hitting the market. And so we do, all of our products are safe to eat raw. So like our cookie dough, you can bake it or eat it raw, but we heard from so many customers that they just want to eat it raw. And so we've also, we've now created like a jar of edible cookie dough. That's just very rich and creamy. It's not meant for baking. It's literally meant for you taking a spoonful and eating it raw and like having it be like the most amazing experience. And so we're coming out with new flavors and different packaging for our edible cookie dough. And then I can't tell you exactly what we're working on next, but it's a very, we're going beyond cookie dough um, with our next product. And I'm really excited about that. That's so exciting. I cannot wait to see Mm -hmm. what's next and (laughs) y'all's journey through this is going to be amazing. I like the edible cookie dough though. Like every wedding that I've been to the year before the pandemic, everyone had edible cookie dough, like as one of their dessert things. Yeah. I love that. It was one of the things, at least in Texas, right? So (laughs) it was like one of the things that I think is like getting more and more common. It wasn't like that before, but I feel like everyone wants to eat just edible cookie dough. So I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I love hearing that. Because I was going to, I was actually going to ask you offline, like, oh, do you guys, uh, are you guys planning on doing any edible cookie dough? So this is perfect. Totally. For things that you never thought maybe were possible now, like what are you kind of dreaming of now, now that you've gone through that first step, what are some things that you thought, okay, no, I could never accomplish this or never thought about this, but that you're thinking about right now? Yeah. I think that like when you finally realize, like get to a point where you're like, wait a minute, we just did that. Like it just seemed like a ton of hard work. And then all of a sudden you kind of feel like, not that you've arrived because you've never, the work is never done, but like we have hit a certain milestone and we know what our team is possible of. And we now hear from customers, you know, we really have like vocal raving fans. So they're not quiet, you know? And when you hear enough from enough people, like, can you do this product next? Can you enter this category? Can you, you, you start to realize like, wait a minute, like our work has just begun. Like we know what we're capable of and like, great, we have cookie dough, but like how many other things could we have? How many other great products could we create? So for me, I just feel like we've now proven ourselves and built like a solid foundation. And now it's like, we're only limited by our beliefs about how big we could get or what great products we could create. So for me now, it's like, okay, what's next? What big idea? What's the next big product we could conquer that makes sense for the industry, that our customers want, that our factory can do? It's that whole combination. Additionally, pandemic or not, what's next in our culture? Like, how do we build the best team and culture? That's like a whole other thing that's like not even 
you know, it's internal facing at Sweet Lauren's. Like customers don't get to see that, but that's like a whole nother thing I'm so passionate about. How do we build such a great work environment? And especially now it being remote, it's like, it's just a whole new thing to conquer, right? Like I know it's possible, but how do we do this when we have people across the country, bringing them together and building that excitement and energy if we're not physically together often. So, you know, that's something. And then, you know, I started this company really to like make the world a healthier place. And I think, you know, we've always thought about besides just creating great products, like what charities do we believe in or like what other companies or partnerships can we connect to, to help them grow as we grow. And so that's something else. Like I was never even able to dream about because I was just focusing on surviving and growing the business. And now it's like, no, we actually like could help raise a ton of money for cancer research, or we could partner with female business owners or small businesses or childhood nutrition, or um, there's so many things that we could do to make the world a better, healthier place that are aligned with our values. So those are the things that kind of occupy my mind and keep me dreaming. That's amazing. I think that's great that you're even like at this point, you're still thinking about how to make an impact in the world and not just the world, but the community and others. And that's, that's amazing, Lauren. So Awesome. Is there anything else that you would want our listeners to know or share with our listeners? Well, I'd love if if anyone out there hasn't tried Sweet Lauren's, you have to. Please, I promise you'll be blown away. If you're not, email us and uh, we'll make it right. But, you know, find our refrigerated cookie dough in stores nationwide. You can always go to our website, which is sweetlorens.com. And just put your zip code into our store locator and it'll show you what stores near you sell our products. So try us, try all of our flavors. If your local store doesn't carry us, request us. And then definitely just join our community. I just welcome everyone to be part of this. And so follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Sweet Lauren's and join our newsletter on our website. And um, you'll just be kept in the know of all, you know, all the things that are going on. We have exciting stuff every week. So help us build this community and, and a better future. Thank you, Lauren. Awesome. Thanks so much. Finding joy is something too many of us do too little of, but joy is what makes it all worth it. And often what can drive us to create something that can succeed as a business concept. For Lauren Brill, her own mission to keep joy in her life has driven an impressive business, a path through a pandemic, and is what her next big thing is all about, spreading joy to others. Then What is produced by Ellen Accounting Advisor in partnership with Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. The views and opinions expressed are those of the individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ellen Accounting Advisor or Mouth Media Network. No portion of this program should be considered financial advice or consultation. Thank you for listening.